lead by faith this morning, Father, that you are our worthy God. We seated this morning on the throne and that gives us hope. I hear my mother ask, speak about hope. God, the hope we have this morning is the hope that you are God and you reign victorious. God, I thank you that we're not serving a God who is working hard and fighting today for victory. Lord, we thank you that we're not serving a God who we are not sure what he means and what he stands for or if he can win. Thank you that we serve a God who already is seated because, Lord, how can he contend with the thing that he makes? Lord, it shows that he's already powerful, he's already mighty, Lord. And so, Father, we come to you this morning and we thank you that you are worthy. We thank you that you are worthy. We thank you that you are worthy and that will open our eyes this morning to see how worthy you are. Worthy over every situation, worthy in every every circumstance, worthy, worthy of our praise this morning. And so we give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this morning, my brothers and sisters, we continue from the book of James. Book James is a study that we'll be undertaking from the month, month of October and November. And so I pray that you will be reading along with us as we go through the, the book, this epistle of James, written to believers. It is quite obvious that what, what James is speaking about was written to believers, not to the unsaved. And so over the past two weeks, we have been looking at James's instruction to believers. And what James is saying to them then is being told to us now. Live out your faith in trials and in temptation. Be the kind of person God calls you to be by confidently standing in your faith in the way you respond to trials. See them as opportunities for growth and pure joy. Persevere in your faith to become mature, complete, and lack nothing. Seek the generous God for wisdom in times of trials. James says, adopt the mindset of humility and contentment. And that's not easy. Because to be, in, I said, James said, be content in where you are. You have little, be content. You have much, be content. Endure trials, but do not succumb to temptation. That's what we looked at last week. And we recognize that temptation is a desire of ours. It is does though we want to blame the enemy, it is our desire that comes to tempt us. Focus on the unchanging nature of God and depend on Him for everything. Our God does not change. The thought that we've been looking at, the overarching thought this, this week from our message is that when our faith in God is genuine, we will not just settle for appearing religious. So it's not about how we look or we dress or even how we speak, it should be, it should not only guide our speech, but it should temper our anger, foster humility in our receiving God's word, drive our action, drive our action and our obedience to respond to God's teaching, fuel our compassion for the marginalized and the vulnerable, and help us to maintain our purity amid worldly influence. So that's what the word today should accomplish in us. Right? Not only should we appear to be religious, but James is calling us to, to ensure that what we say we believe influences everything else about us. It influences how we speak. It influences how we live. It influences our actions. It influences our attitude. It influences everything about us. So this morning, I want you to turn your Bibles with me to James 1. We'll be reading from verses 19 to 27. And I'll be reading from the New International Version. James 1, verses 19 to 27. When you're there, let me know. Say I. Thumbs up, okay. 
James 1, verses 19 to 27, and it reads as follows. My dear brothers and sisters. Notice, he didn't, he's not writing to the world. So he's writing to believers who he considers his brothers and sisters. Take note of this. In essence, he's saying, make a mental note of this. Be aware of this. Know this. Everyone include, and he's speaking to his brothers and sisters. So he says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And he gives the reason, he says, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, the engrafted word in you, which can save you. So James is telling you that the word that is in you, because you're a believer, has the ability to save you. He continues, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Right? Do not just listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the word, world. So in verses 19 to 20, James is saying, the kind of person that I am calling you, my brothers and sisters, to be is the kind of person who is quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. In verse 21, he says, get rid of the moral filth in your life and humbly accept the word of God. In verses 22 to 25, he says, obey the word rather than just hear it. Anybody can hear it, but the distinction that, the, that makes the difference is that you obey the word you hear. In verses 26 to 27, he says, practice pure and faultless religion. Father, may your word this morning take root in our hearts and bring about the transformation you had intended it to bring about. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this morning, we, 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 we want to continue, as I said earlier, we want to continue to look at James. We want to hear what James is saying to us. James is telling us to, to, to rid ourselves of certain things and he is telling us to stop doing some things and he's saying this is what you are to behave like and this is what you are to think like and this is what you are, your attitude should be, your behavior should be because this is what the kind of person God called you to be looks like. So my first claim or my first point this morning can be found in verses 19 to 20. James says, believers who continually stand are quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Note that James is giving three concise directives. And he said, God's righteous character is seen in those who are quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Verse 19 to 20, which I read earlier, but I'll read again. It says, everyone should be quick to listen. Listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger 
does not produce the righteousness God desires. And when I read it, I, I, I thought, I said, there are so many of us who could, we, 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 could, we, we could find a supporting scripture that allows us to be angry, right? That we can say angry, but do not sin. So it, as if we are pardoning our, our, our ability to be angry or, or, or giving to the emotion of being angry. And, and I'm not saying this morning that anger, of, of the overarching emotion of anger is evil. That's not what I'm saying. But James is saying, be slow to get angry. And he says it for a reason. And we, are, we are going to be looking at that this morning to understand the instructions that we are given as believers. So James provides guidance to believers, urging them to speak less, listen more, and control their temper. These behaviors serve as indicators of whether God's righteous character is being manifested within you, within me, or if it is not. When I read this, these two verses or three verse, two verses, I felt convicted instantly. It is as if the letter was written directly to me. It came to my address. I was the one who went to the mailbox took the, the, the letter out, opened it and read it. And here James says to Ava, Ava, be quick to listen, be slow to speak, and be slow to get angry. If you know me, when I get excited, I can't wait to share what I know. I can't wait to tell you what I know. And so I'll be hearing you, waiting, can't waiting, the listening just to hear you finish, just to interject and to tell you what I wanted and want to say. And so when I read the text this morning, not this morning, when I was preparing the, 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 the scripture from this week, and I was reading, and even this morning again, when I went back over it and I read it twice this morning, the words kept jumping out from the page. Ava, be quick to listen. Ava, be slow to speak. Ava, be slow to get angry. And maybe like me, you hear those words jumping off the page of your Bible and it is calling out to you by name, calling to you because the Lord is speaking to you through this epistle of James. Listening is a skill that involves more than just hearing words. Because sometimes we say, I hear you, but did I really listen? Listening involves being fully engaged, attentive, and present in a conversation. Being quick to listen demonstrates character qualities such as openness. It shows empathy. It shows respect because the truth be told, we are more attentive to the persons we, we, we respect. We listen attentively when they speak. Listening demonstrates humility. It shows that we can effectively communicate. And it shows a strong desire for healthy and positive relationships. So when I am in a relationship with you and, and it's a strong relationship or a relationship that I want to nurture, I spend the time to listen and you spend the time to listen to me as well. Believers who are quick to listen show a willingness to consider and to understand the viewpoints or the viewpoint of others without being quick to pass judgment and lose their temper. Normally, when we are hearing something that is opposing to what we believe, if I respect you as a person, I will spend the time to listen. If I don't, I cut you off. I, I, I may cut you off by interjecting or I cut you off by blocking my mind. And we know how to block our minds and we, 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 we appear as if that we are listening, but the truth be told, we aren't listening. We, we have engaged, we have already started to formulate an, an answer in our minds as to what to be our comeback. When we are quick to listen, we become humble listeners who recognize that we do not know it all. We do not have all the answers to any problem in any discussion. So what 
are some potential obstacles or distractions that could hinder your ability to be quick to listen. Think about it as we go through. What could be the obstacles in your, in your life or, or in my life that could cause me to not be quick to listen? But not James did not stop there. He says, be slow to speak. Being slow to speak is not about the tempo. It's not about the speed in which you speak. I am a fast talker. But being slow to speak indicates qualities such as thoughtfulness, self-control, kindness, wisdom, again, respect, humility, and the ability to effectively communicate. When we listen more than we speak, we tend to be kinder and to be gentler with our words to others. When we listen more than we speak, we tend to learn more and know that we can learn from anyone. Big talkers can be hard to teach because they think they already know everything they need to know. And they constantly express their opinion. They always have an opinion to express. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone and as you begin to speak, they say, I know that already. And they cut you off and quickly share what they know. I am guilty of doing it. I may be the person that you know. A wise listener knows that more wisdom can be gained by listening, by observing, and not rushing to make a judgment from what they just heard. How many times are you in conversation and you can't wait for the person to take a, a break in between a word, not at the end of a sentence, in between a word for you just to interject and to say, yes, and this is what, da, 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 this is what I know. I am guilty. And as I said to you, as I prepared this over the week, I kept hearing the words saying, jumping off the page, Ava, this is written for you and to you. James is not only saying be quick to listen, slow to speak, but he's saying be slow to get angry because James know that even as believers, we are hot, we have hot temper, we are hot under the collar. Sometimes we speak more than we listen. We tend to gossip or become boastful. We think that being in the know makes us more likable. So we talk more and we pretend to know more. Proverbs 10, 19 says, when there are many words, sin is avoidable. But, when, but the one who restrains his lips is wise. So proverb, the proverb is saying to us this morning, minimize your words. Restrain your words. Proverb 13.3 says, he who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. Believers who are slow to speak exercise, exercise restraint from having the wisdom to discern when is the appropriate moment to share their opinion and what thoughts, ideas, or opinions need, need to be shared at that moment. Have you ever heard someone say, I am straightforward, I am a straight shooter. I say what is on my mind and I mean what I say. I am not a hypocrite, I am not a people pleaser. I, I, I just tell them what is on my mind. That's a person who is not slow to speak. Because if you are slow to speak, restraint is what you will exercise. So what strategies can you employ to help you develop the habit of speaking less. Being slow to get angry signifies an emotionally mature and empathetic character that can effectively manage, challenge, 
manage challenging emotions, resolve conflicts constructively, and maintain healthier relationships. Believers who are slow to get angry have learned to manage their emotions. And so because of that, they react with patience, they are empathetic, they have self-control, and in difficult situations, they know what to do. They have spent the time to understand and address their personal triggers because you and I, all of us have things that will trigger us. Are you aware of those? Because if you aren't aware of what triggers you, you will get angry quickly and respond in anger. Ecclesiastic 7, 9 says, be not quick in your spirit to become angry for anger lodges in the hearts of fools. The writer is saying, for if you and I are quick to become angry, he calls us fools because he says only fools are quick to get angry. Although anger in and of itself is not unhealthy or inherently sinful and unrighteous, when it is not managed, it can be a destructive and harmful act. For example, anger can damage relationships when it is expressed in hurtful and disrespectful ways. Anger can lead to disregard of others. Because when you're angry, sometimes you lose control. You have no control over what you say, over what you do. Anger can lead to a lack of self-control, vengeance, bitterness, prolonged conflicts, becoming verbally abusive, and the need to seek revenge. All these actions do not align with the righteous behavior that God desires from his children. And we saw that in verse 20. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So you may ask, so how come Jesus got angry? Please go back and read the story. Jesus never became anger, angry when he was the target. He only became angry because if, when he felt that his father's name was being dishonored. Go back and read the stories of Jesus getting angry. All these actions of anger, being violent and losing, having lacking self-control, they do not align with God's righteous desires for you and I. So how can you practice patience and self-control to help you better control your personal triggers? James says, take note. In the context of our relationship with God, what, whatever or whatsoever our inclination in our earthly relationships we tend to do the same with God. If you are quick to, if you are quick to listen, you will be more inclined to listen to God than to speak. Believers who are quick to listen diligently seek God's guidance, wisdom, and teachings through prayer, meditation, and study of the scriptures. They approach God with an open heart and a sincere desire to listen and to understand his purpose for their lives rather than to tell him what they want him to do. If you are slow to speak, you will be more predisposed to be contemplative as you offer your considered thoughts to God. You're not so quick to speak. Believers who are slow to speak diligently think things through before they make impulsive promises or presumptuous statements that they may later re regret or renege on. The scripture tells us, do not, as you come into the presence of the Lord, make promises that you are unable to keep because God holds you to your promises. If you are slow to get angry, 
you will have a greater tendency to be patient with God. Believers who, who are slow to get angry are more committed to patiently trust in God's plan. They resist the temptation to become angry or frustrated with God during challenging times because they trust that his purpose will ultimately be, ultimately be revealed. So whatever you are in your earthly relationship, whatever you do in your earthly relationship, trust me, you do the same thing to God. You're quick to tell him and you're just talk, 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 talk. And then you say, amen. And you get up off your knees or you open your eyes and you move about your own business. And you will say, oh, I prayed this morning, you see. I prayed for one hour. No, you spoke for one hour. Because you did not hear what God had to say. And so many times, the ways we behave with our friends, the way we behave in our relationships, is invariably the ways we behave or respond to God. My second point this morning is, believers who confidently stand, rid themselves of the behaviors that are contrary to God's moral standard. James 1 verses 21 tells us, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent in your life and humbly accept the word planted or engrafted in your hearts. The word has the power to save your souls. Again, the scripture is clear that James is speaking to believers who have the word of God planted in their hearts because the unbelievers don't have the word of God planted in their hearts. So what is James asking us to get rid of? What moral filth and, and evil James is saying to us to get rid of? The term moral filth signifies impurity or corruption in one's moral and spiritual life. It could be, be include behaviors and attitudes that are contrary to God's moral standards and teaching, such as deceit, which sometimes we overlook deceit because we would say, oh, it's not a lie. Deceit or deception is you and I being aware that we're either embellishing a story or we are removing parts of the story to mislead the person hearing or listening. So James is saying deceit, dishonesty, immorality, hatred, or greed, those are forms of moral filth that you and I need to rid ourselves of. The evil that he's asking us to, 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 to rid ourselves of that are prevalent in our lives are refers to the actions and our thoughts and our behavior that are sinful, harmful, or morally wrong, such as lying, stealing, malicious, being malicious, and you can name them. Many of us are unaware of the sinful of, our, of the sinful behaviors and attitudes that are prevalent in our lives. Are you aware of the, the, the moral filth and the evil that is prevalent in your lives? James called believers and he says, examine your lives so that you can repent. Because what do you repent of if you do not know? What do you repent of if you do not know your sinful attitudes and behaviors? What do you rid yourselves of? So James is calling believers to be introspective. He said, spend the time to get to know you because you cannot know God if you do not know yourself. What do you repent of? What do you need to get rid of? James says, humbly accept God's word that is planted in you. And then he says, God's word has the power to save your souls. God's word has the power to bring salvation, the continued salvation to your life and to my life. Accepting God's word planted in our, our hearts is an act of faith and trust that signifies a belief and a willingness to surrender to God's wisdom, guidance, and plans for our lives. 
as we examine our lives and repent of our impurities and unrighteous behaviors, the word of God that has the power to purify and transform us cleanses us so that we can live out our faith with integrity according to, the, to God's word. My third claim this morning is believers who confidently stand are doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. James 1, 22 to 25 tells us, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently in the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So in these verses, James is emphasizing the importance of action and practical applications of one's faith to avoid self-deception. He contrasts a passive and forgetful hearer with an active doer. A passive and forgetful hearer listens to the word but does not obey it. They are likened to a person who looks at his face in the mirror and after seeing it goes away and immediately forgets what it looks like. Imagine going into the mirror and seeing spinach in your teeth and walking away and going into a crowd and, and, and beginning to smile and to speak as if nothing, you were unaware of anything. James calls that man, what does he call that man? He says, that man is a passive hearer. He look and he sees, but he moves away and instantly he forgets. And he doesn't forget because he has amnesia. He doesn't forget because he has dementia. He forgets because he's passive in his faith. Notice James is saying, just by being a passive hearer, by listening to the word and not obeying the word, James said, you are self-deceiving. You are deceiving yourself. So what is self-deception? Self-deception is accumulating truth and knowledge that is not lived out. It is pretending that God's word is your guide, yet living otherwise. It is seeing my messy face, my messy teeth, and moving away without addressing it. James says that persons are deceived because they know, they hear, but they fail to put it in practice. God's word is meant to change us so that no matter how many sermons you listen, no matter how many snippets you send or you're, you are sent and you listen to, no matter how, ma how many podcasts you listen to, no matter how you read the Bible from cover to cover, unless you obey the word by living according to its truth and allowing the truth to change your hearts, your attitudes, and your conduct, you are deceiving yourself. Can you believe that? We would think that people, we are being deceived by others, not realizing that we have the propensity to deceive ourselves. We can deceive ourselves by what we do, our pretentious ways. We pretend to be righteous. We pretend to, to uh, showing that God's word is transforming us. And James is saying, no, if you're a passive hearer, if you are not actively listening and allowing the word to change you, you are deceiving yourself. According to James, when we read our Bible, but by the end of the day, forgetting what we read or read or don't obey what we read, we are deceived. Sometimes the reverse is true. We do not obey because we do not know what is to be obeyed. We have not been spending time to study our Bibles. 
So we don't even know that we have green spinach in our teeth because we're not looking in the mirror. We are not even listening to the snippets on YouTube, the sermons. James says, sometimes we do not obey because we read what we read seem irrelevant and impossible to obey. And we have that way of saying we are humans. Yes, so was Jesus. How easy is it to love others as God has loved you? Is it easy to bless those who curse you? Is it easy to forgive those who despitefully use you and persecute you or trust God with your finances by giving generously? What about doing good to those that hate you and gossip about you? James said the way you respond to them based on the word of God shows that you are an active listener and not a passive listener. James said, do not be deceived. Passive hearing alone is insufficient. God's blessing and transformation only come to those who actively obey the word of God. Conversely, he says, an active doer looks intently into the perfect law that sets us free and continues in it. So he looks into the mirror and he sees the spinach in his teeth and he says, guess what? I have to remove this. I cannot continue to live this way. It's the same way. When you and I look into the word, when we study the word and allow the word of God to, 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 to motivate us to change and when we, we surrender, when we are introspective, using the word as our guide, as our mirror, we can then go to the Lord and I can now say to the Lord, Lord, I recognize that James' word to me is that Ava be slow to speak. Ava be quick to listen. And if I continue after today, quick to cut you off when you're speaking, quick to interject, quick to share my thoughts, quick to getting angry, you would have known I like those who listen. Those who are passive in their response, I would be known as one. But today, today, if you hear God's voice speaking to you, Ava, like me, be quick to listen, be slow to speak, to be slow to get angry, get rid of the moral filth and the evil that, uh, that is pre pre prevalent in your life and you do nothing about it. James is saying to you and I this morning, you are passive in your relationship with God. But he says, conversely, an active doer is the one who hears and acts upon what he hears, who sees and acts upon what the word of God is saying to, and calling them to do. The active doer avoids self-deception by being attentive to the teaching of the word and living it out daily. Notice the difference. The passive listener or passive hearer, he hears, he sees, he reads, but he does not obey. But the active doer is attentive to the teaching of the word of God and he lives it out daily. The active doer recognizes that genuine faith is demonstrated through actively obeying and putting into practice the teaching of the word of God. It is important to listen to what God, God's word says to us, but it is even more important to obey it and to do what it says. It is important to listen, but it is more important to obey. We can measure the effectiveness of our Bible studies by the effect it has on our behavior and our attitude. You want to know if your Bible study that you're, you're, you're boasting about, that you're reading and you're hearing, and you want to know if it is effective, check your actions after you've read it. Check what you have put into place. Check a week later, a month later, a year later. Has it transformed your life? If it hasn't, you're a passive hearer. 
if it hasn't bring about change in your attitude and your behavior and your thought life, you are a passive hearer. You are not an active doer. My fourth and final point this morning is believers who confidently stand practice pure and faultless religion. James 1 verse 26 to 27 tells us, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceives themselves. And their religion is worthless. But religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Again, we see James linking our speech with our faith and our religion. And he says, and he's saying that our speech demonstrates or it speaks loudly. It utters what our faith and our religion is. He points out that claiming to be religious but failing to control one's speech is self-deceptive. Notice that James is telling us that we deceive ourselves again. When we think that what we say do not matter. We deceive ourselves. Every word that proceeded from your mouth matters. Every word that you use, that you say matters. I've had, I've had to go to my children and ask them to forgive forgiveness because as I become more spiritually mature, I realize I made a mess raising my kids. I said words out of ignorance. I said words out of anger. I said words out of frustrated and I regret every moment of it. And even though I asked them to forgive me, I know I have created trauma in my children because of the words I have said. But what I now have the opportunity to do is as I move forward, I can be more careful with my, my words. I can keep a tiny, tight rein on my tongues in what I say to my friends. And even to my friends, I would have said things that would hurt them. And I would have done things in anger because there wasn't a tight rein on my tongue, on my speech. There was no restraint in what I said. We are deceived when we gossip about others. We are deceived when we slander. We are deceived when we have loose conversations. We are in the midst of a conversation that we know deep down in our spirits we should never be a part of. And because of our people-pleasing ways and because of our lack of faith in God and because of our lack of stance, in our religion and in our faith in God, we stand or we sit in places we should not, entertaining conversations we should never be a part of. We speak hurtful words but that contradict the essence of what God accepts as religion, pure and faultless religion. James emphasizes that pure and faultless, faultless religion and faith should result in transformed behavior. And those who successfully avoid being self-deceived practice it. In defining pure and faultless religion in the eyes of God, James identifies two key aspects. He said the faultless and pure religion is, is one of compassionate service. What he says, caring for the vulnerable and the marginalized and the disenfranchised in society, such as the orphans and the widows in distress. Our religion and faith should lead us to a life of kindness, particularly to those who are in need. And yes, all of us can look at ourselves and there is some level of lack. But our lack when compares to somebody else's lack. We look as if we are rich. I may say I need a blouse or, oh Lord, I pray, Lord, I need some clothes. But the truth be told, I have enough clothes to wear for a month without repeating. And I know most of us do. 
But James is saying, when we are compassionately serving, we see the needs of those who don't have what we have. They don't even have to have nothing. They don't have what you have. And James says, if you are practicing pure and faultless religion, the one that God sees and accepts, the one that God accepts as pure, it is looking after those who are in need. Then he says, he identifies the other key aspect of pure and faultless religion. And he says, holiness and separation from the world. He says, maintain moral purity and separate yourself from the corruption in the world, the corrupting influence of the world. I, I, as I prepared this message, I thought to the Lord, I thought, and I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, we are so influenced by the world. The world dictates how we dress. The world says it's time to wear our pants below, below our navels. And we go and we get those low riders. The, pants, the world says, no, you start wearing your pants as high rise jeans. We go and we get high rise jeans. The world says, no, you put spaghetti straps on and we, we wear spaghetti straps. The world says, no, you drop one shoulder off the shoulder and we want her off the shoulder because that's the new style. The, the world says, in, in this time of winter, you are to be wearing blue and, and next year you'll be wearing brown and you have a blue jacket, but because this brown jacket is being worn, in this season we are rushing James says we need to live separated from the world that the world does not influence not only our thoughts but our actions James says we are to maintain purity think the thoughts of God because if you and I are actively sharing what we have styles going in and out will not affect us because we are aware of someone who needs a winter coat despite the color and the new design and the new fabric. I am guilty. I am guilty. And so James is calling you and I and he says, there are many ways that we deceive ourselves. In Luke 12, 13 to 21, known as the parable of the rich man. The rich man thought that because he had this an abundance and a surplus of grain from his crop, he said, I'm going to be building bigger and bigger barns. And then he decides and says to himself, because I'm so wealthy, I'm going to take life easy. I'm going to eat and drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. After that hard work, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Let us be careful what we are running after and deceiving ourselves. Be careful what we are causing to be in the place where we need to spend time with God. Be careful. We are deceiving ourselves when we are running after these things that does not satisfy. That today they are here, but tomorrow, like the grass, they are gone. Or tonight, which one of us know if tonight our lives will be required of us and we spend so much time acquiring wealth, acquiring knowledge, reading about everything except God, knowing this and saving for that. The church in Laodicea in Revelation 3 verse 17, they felt they were rich and did not need a thing. Go and read it and you will see it. But Jesus said to them, you do not realize that you are wretched, you are pitiful, you are poor, you are blind, you are naked. Even though you think you are rich, this is, what, this is how I see you. How is God seeing you today? Is he seeing you deceiving yourselves? Is he calling you a fool because you are deceiving yourselves? 1 Samuel 17 verses 41 to 51, Goliath felt that his size and his strength would ensure his victory against a boy. But he was wrong. He was a match for David, the boy, but he was no match for David's God. Goliath was a fool. He deceived himself. In what way are you deceiving yourselves? To avoid self-deception, we must be like the ones who look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom 
not only should we look, but we should keep on looking. We should continue in it. We should not glance at it and glance away at it. We should be consistently looking into it, for not forgetting what we have read or what we have heard, and then take it a little further. Start to allowing it to transform our lives because we are doing it. According to James, we need the balance between active service and personal holiness. We can't do one without the other because pure and faultless faith involves both loving and being righteous. Involves both love and righteousness. So what is James saying to us in my conclusion this morning? Out of from verses 19 to 27 of chapter 1. James encourages brothers and sisters, believers in Christ, to live out their faith in a practical and meaningful way. Because true faith is not passive. It is actively lived out in love, righteousness, and compassion. James provides valuable insights and guidance on the importance of talking less. If you talk less, you'll be able to hear more. If you talk less to God, you get to hear God's thoughts more. Talk less so that you can listen more. Be slow to anger so that you can be more patient and kind and gentle in your response. Rid yourselves of sinful attitudes and behaviors, acting upon God's word and demonstrating true faith through compassionate actions and moral purity. Like the mirror, the word of God will always show us the truth. Therefore, it is important that you and I spend time in the word, spend time with God. It is important that we not only spend time, but that we remember the word and allow the living word to continue in our lives by changing our characters, changing the way we think, changing the way I act, changing my behavior and my attitude. Because if after I read the word, I go out there and I behave badly. I was told a story yesterday about a pastor's wife who, the, who, who goes to the hairdresser or the, the hairdresser's the, the, the salon and have her hair done. But her behavior, the, the, her proud behavior caused them. They didn't even know. They said, I would never know that she's a pastor's wife. What are people saying about you if they came this morning and saw you on the line? Would they say, I didn't even know that that person is a Christian? They don't even behave like that, a Christian. Is she a believer? Is he a believer? What would that person say about you this morning? Because if the word of God that you speak to us were other to other believers, you can't speak to an unbeliever. What are you? What are you? You're a passive hearer. If when you are in the company of your unbelieving friends, you are no different from them, there's no distinction in your behavior, your thought, your actions, you are passive in your walk. They should know, not because you say, but because of how you live, because of how you act. They should know because of how I speak, because of how I'm slow to interject. And I'm attentive and actively listening. They should know by my, by, by my, by my restraint. Yes, I'm offended. Yes, that hurt me. But my slow response causes me to think, causes me to be calm so that my response will be one where God gets glory. If we are serious about living out our faith and not about pretending, let us be doers of the word. Let us rest in the knowledge that all that you and I need, God has in his hands. Let us rest in the assurance that the, what we are called to do is doable because we tend to look at things and say, I'm only human. I'm just a woman. I'm just a man. No, we are humans, yes, but what God has called us to do, it is doable. 
We do not serve a God that is unreasonable. We do not serve a God who would call us to do things that are impossible. Every instruction in the scripture is doable because he gives us the Holy Spirit to assist us. So what is James saying to you this morning? What is James' word to you this morning? Like me, are you hearing James and Ava? Be quick to listen. Show respect and be attentive in listening. Don't be formulating your answer while someone is speaking. Give them ear and listen. Let them know that you are not only present in body, but you are present in your thoughts. You are present in your being attentive to them. Let the word of God be our mirrors. Let us actively and intently look into the word of God and see what it has called us to do. The truth be told, most of us can identify each other's area where they need to grow. I can tell you where you are. You need to be quick to listen and where you need to be slow to speak and where you need to be slow to anger. And you can do the same for me, but can we do it for each other? Because James did not say that we are deceiving others. He said we are deceiving ourselves when we think or when we are pretending, when we think we are doing one thing, but in fact, we are doing another thing. So let us be introspective. It is hard for some of us to find the flaws within ourselves. It's hard for some of us to recognize that we are not perfect. It's hard for some of us to even acknowledge that I need to grow in this area of my life. But if you cannot acknowledge, if you cannot identify, if you are unaware of the areas in which you need to grow, you're going to be living in a place of self-deception. And James is calling us to rid ourselves of the thing that calls us to be self-deceiving. So this morning, I pray that as I shared with you what God has laid upon my heart, that we will not be the same. Can I change by tomorrow morning? Oh, no, I won't. But I can actively start working. You can start actively begin to work on the area of your life or the areas of your life that God is calling you to be the kind of person that he wants you to be. The so Father, your word this morning is like a two-edged sword. Because as I prepared it to share, it cut me to and fro. And Lord, it, it not only cut me the day I began to prepare, but it is it, it, it even cut me up this morning, even as I shared. That the more I speak about the word, the more I see it jumping up in front of me. Ava, I am speaking to you. Ava. And so for those of us this morning, Lord, who, who hear my words, and hear your words through me and those who will be listening in the week, Father. Let the words bring meaning. Let the directives of James through this letter brings me, bring meaning to us this morning. Cause us, Father God, to know that you have called us and you will work with us. Lord. I don't have to share everything I know. No. Wisdom says I do not. Wisdom says I learn to restrain. Wisdom says I hold back. Wisdom says in a certain setting, in the setting that I am, I, I exercise, I discern the atmosphere. And I use the wisdom given to me by God to know what to speak and when to speak and how long to speak. The Father, we desire to be active doers. But Lord, there are so many things we need to put in place. We first need to go. For some of us, we need to be in the word. For some of us, we need to identify what the word is calling us to, to do. For others, Father, we need to start living it out. And for some, Father God, we need to move beyond ourselves and become more compassionate to those we serve. 
We need to, to reduce the influence of the world, the corrupting influence of the world and upon, upon our lives so that we become more like you. So bless your word this morning to your people, God, as you did to me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.